Dun, 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 dun. I started in the wrong key. I watched the third Indiana Jones yesterday. No, the day before. It was very good. Oh. It's the best one. I love Indiana Jones. I saw one. I saw the Crystal Skull one in the cinema. Oh, the only one so I ever saw. scary. That one, I remember that was my um, last day of sixth class. We all went out and we went to see that movie and uh, two guys weren't allowed in because they were causing so much trouble in the cinema. And then they bought tickets to a different movie and then snuck in. And then someone went out, this uh, woman went out and was like, oh, they need to leave. Like, and oh, Jesus, like these two lads were having none of it. Like they had to stop. They had to stop the film. Oh, lights on everything. And like, we were all like, like, I went to see what's that Lindsay Lohan movie with the zebra? I have no idea. <laughs> it's like racing stripes. Oh my god. We went to see that and they stopped the movie because Jess was running around. My baby sister was running around like a horse. <laughs> that was such a good movie, Racing Stripes. Oh my god, throwback. But no, I was gonna say, do you remember in the Rugrats movie when it's like Okie dokie Jones. <laughs> oh, oh we're really oh, showing off our age. Like, yeah, we went to see Mr. Bean's holiday after our confirmation. And <gasps> oh my God, I think like that and Fool's Gold are the only two movies I ever walked out of the cinema on. Like, oh my God, Mr. Bean's holiday is so good. Oh no, we were like, not, not like everyone was like, this sucks we're leaving <gasps> i love mr bean what did i i can't remember what i saw for my confirmation but i remember one of the first like birthday parties at the cinema i had was devil wears prada oh and mine was mr and mrs smith <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> yeah oh, like as Angelina. We went, <laughs> like we went to the cinema for my friends like what 10th 9th birthday 10th birthday like and oh, well, that's... I think her mother just like dropped us to the cinema being like there'll be something on <laughs> and there was nothing else on except that and she was just like yeah I consented to them going to see this so they <laughs> <laughs> that definitely has like a 12 like, like uh, reading. 15, yeah I'd say is it lots of sex and guns oh yeah true <laughs> No, I just remember, this just brings back memories of I went to the cinema with my friend Ellen and we I think we were trying to get into a 15s movie and it was like uh, Death at a Funeral or something like that or whatever. And like, it was just supposed to be a comedy with like dark humor. And I think it was like the week before my 15th birthday, we went up to buy our tickets and he's like, how old are you? (laughs) 14. And Ellen just looks at me and she goes, you idiot <laughs> utter <laughs> idiot and I was like smile on my face I was like I have made a big boo-boo <laughs> I I took yeah. I took Jess um again my my sister to see I think we were going to see Bridesmaids oh. or something and Jess was too young to go but she wanted to see it I think it was Bridesmaids and I was I think I was 19 and, and Jess like they walked Jess through and I got ID'd <laughs> Oh, I got an ID yesterday buying like a little mini bottle of wine for my cookie oh, <laughs> and wow. she was like how old are you and I was like 26 
<laughs> oh girl that's I like mean, that's, that's the best a feeling at this at this point feeling. in our in our lives i'm like that is a big compliment i was like on one hand complimented but i was like i went through the self checkout so no one would have to perceive me <laughs> oh no I was like, my Please. youth my my beautiful youth has betrayed me <laughs> why am i so radiant <laughs> Welcome back to the Prim Reader Podcast. That was yes. a beautiful little just unexpected intro. Talk about movies. Where we are grim and we are readers. <laughs> oh, it's the new uh, tagline. <laughs> and uh, if you've never listened to this podcast before, this is where we uh, come up with stories on each other's books. And then uh, we get told how wrong we are. And the person does a little book review. Yes. So uh, I'm Rebecca. I'm Nikki. I'm Chloe. Woo. Woo. Oh my god, I know. Such an accomplishment. I hope it's like one minute of intros, two minutes of celebrating that we got the intro down. <laughs> I know. But I'm just if there's like long time listeners, I hope they're like really proud of us when we do introduce ourselves. Because <laughs> like, smoother every time. It, it's a I'd big say they're it's like, 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 oh, that's their names. That's I hadn't their names. heard that's their the names gosh. for eight weeks. Completely yeah. forgot. Who is Chloe? <laughs> Can I tell you a story? Okay, it was on on the moors of um of Nigalov. <laughs> I don't know what the moors means, but anyway, I um I just wanted to recount the story that I went to some fantastic bookshops on my Galway trip. I went to Charlie Burns and I went there twice. <laughs> Two times that I spent an awful lot of money. I do have a Charlie Burns um little loyalty card now that is almost stamped out in one visit alone. <laughs> oh wow. Oh Jesus, Nikki. I Achievement know. unlocked. And then on the Friday, we went out to Inishmore and we were on the ferry. And like for anyone that's done that trip, we were basically going from Galway Bay to the Iron Islands. We were going to the biggest island in Inishmore. And um <laughs> It was Friday the 13th and it was the roughest, like the roughest trip of my entire adulthood life. Like, oh, my God, we were like people were getting sick everywhere. It felt like the ferry was just going to absolutely capsize. And like it became like just like, oh, it was so grim. Like everyone around us was getting sick. So I was like hidden in like Emmett's coat just so I could like I was like putting myself in a sensory deprecation tank (laughs) and like oh Jesus it was awful and then we got to the island and we went cycling and it was beautiful we were meant to have very bad weather and we had very good weather and we were having a great grand old time we walked up the I can't remember the name of it but to the highest point of the island and as we were coming back my bum was so sore from the bikes that I had a panic attack and couldn't get on my bike because <laughs> my bum hurt so much and I'm just telling the story to so I can like now complain that my bum still hurts <laughs> as we as we sit here filming this podcast this morning so do you know who I ran into actually I ran into, to run into someone on the Iron Islands. <laughs> I managed to run. Well, we ran into one of Emmett's aunts on the Iron Islands. But then we ran into Emma, who has featured on one of the Grim Reader episodes before. Not an aesthetic bookstagram. Um, we ran into Emma in Galway City. And she's the one who gave us the... Um, the solid advice of like going out to Salt Hill and seeing all that. None of us really have. Well, Nikki's the only one with like actual news going on in her life. <laughs> um, 
I'm <laughs> going to get my second vaccine today. Ooh. So that's why we're recording in the morning. Yeah. And, so that Becca's uh, immortality can be uninterrupted. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I am not going to be a whingy baby like Nikki on the podcast. Uh, oh! <laughs> you come for me, I come for you. Um, when did I come for you? You came for me on social media last night. I did. Nikki. I did. <laughs> I, um, I also I lost my copy of Pride and Prejudice and had to replace it before Becca found out and I succeeded the thing is that <laughs> I saw that photo of the Pride and Prejudice I was like I'm so proud of her for buying it and then I was like wait I read the caption I was like Pride has been receded Prejudice been taken back <laughs> but um my, my Pride has been prejudiced my only bit of news and it's not even my news is um I got my lovely Marion Keys newsletter because um, I instantly signed up when she announced like two weeks ago that she was going to be sending a newsletter out with like news in it. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, um, read through it this morning. Like, you know, when I, I was just feeling a bit groggy, I was like, I don't really want to wake up. Uh, and I was like, why didn't you say that we were recording record at this time? But seeing that email from Marion Keys made it all worthwhile. And yeah, our, friendship, our friendship with Becca was not enough to get her out of bed. But Marion no. Keys newsletter was. <laughs> That's It's completely fair enough. <laughs> to those who have probably have not. Or I mean, if you don't follow her on social media, like you are wrong, like you're missing out. But um. She's re- she has announced her new book that she's releasing in February or March of next year. So woo! And it's and a book, Chloe. You reviewed the first book, didn't you? Yes. Oh, is it part of the Walsh sisters? It is. It's um, I go away. It's Rachel again. To, like, Nikki, would you let me announce it? Like Jesus, it's a sequel to Rachel's Holiday. <laughs> oh wait! Oh my God! I'm ah. in. So, um, yeah, it was just like so cute. And like, I knew that she was going to be releasing this book because I'd seen her at Kurt Festival talking about it. But I was like, oh, so now I must read Rachel's Holiday before reading this. You have. Oh, you will not regret it. Uh, This is a sincere warning about the entity in your home. Uh, Who's the spy? I don't know. Names on on it. Can't tell you. You're judging it by its cover, not by Uh, its author. Okay, so do I know the author? Oh, okay. So it doesn't even matter. Well, it does matter because it's their work. I shouldn't have said that. That's a very <laughs> flippant comment. I'm just imagining like someone being like, Cancel oh, Becca. <laughs> Cancel Becca. <laughs> I'm just, I'm expecting hate at some point. All Anna. authors I'm not matter. ready for it. All authors matter. Let me um, handle the hate mail with yes. these guns. <laughs> <laughs> so this is literally, um, so this looks like a very almost kind of, um, it looks like a ransom note, let's be honest. Poor Becca's got a hard job today. But yeah. a ransom note <laughs> on, um, like, it doesn't look like paper. It looks like a wall. Um, a damp, moldy, old wall. That, like, this is like a decrepit house. And I'm going to go with that. So, a sincere warning about the entity in your home is literally... Such a good title just that i'm gonna say that we are going to meet this new couple um they're newlyweds um and i'm gonna say that they are their life is like overly charming like they're one of those like 50s couples that you see like on like you know shows that are like based in that era and you're like Ugh, everything just feels too nice and too warm and too friendly and like there's something sinister going on 
and um I'm gonna say that they're uh they didn't even buy their house their house was bought for them as a wedding gift from like her parents or his parents and um they move into it and it's uh it's a fixer upper um so it is and um neither of them is impressed with that they're like oh yeah, we have to work. <laughs> Mommy only bought me a fixer up. Proper. Oh my god! <laughs> be like, Daddy, why don't you love me? <laughs> um, so uh, they start like fixing it up and like moving things and like you know throwing things out, and um, then the following morning they'll find their back of the house. So already it's like, oh shit. Um, and uh disturbing stuff starting to happen in the house uh with um just you know uh I'm gonna say the husband starts going down the stairs one morning and his foot goes through the the floor and he's like damn <laughs> ow and he like breaks his foot for some um, reason like <laughs> I don't know why I felt really compelled when you're like the husband starts going down the stairs in the morning I was like <gasps> <laughs> and then what like, this isn't so even funny. scary at all like I'm the worst person to be like doing horror um <laughs> that that is untrue Becca <laughs> that's not true you may not do fantastical horror but you do the true horror of being alive yes <laughs> thank you um and I'm gonna say that um even when the wife is at home she'll she's noticing that like even when she's cooking she's so paranoid that like she does she stops wanting to use the knives and things like that she's like I just feel like something's gonna try and hurt me um and even uh there's uh One girls trying to cut onions with a spoon whatever's happening um in the house um she's thinking that it's him her husband doing it to like mess with her and him the same he's like she's the one who like did something to the floorboards or whatever and things get like progressively worse um I'm gonna say that she wake um there's one night that uh he tries to like put a pillow over her head to kill her like um yeah to smother her and it's just they're both like absolutely overly paranoid I'm gonna say like there's a lot of scary shit that happens in the book like they're just both being torn apart blaming each other uh, I'm not good at describing what the scary shit is, but scary shit happens. <laughs> and I'm going to say that, um, like, the only, like, place they haven't touched is the basement because they're like, that's a job in itself. We're just going to get the, the, like, they're all about um, appearances and they're like, mm. no one's going to go into the basement, so we don't need to touch that. And um, in the end, like, things just escalate. They completely cut themselves off from the outside because they're like we can't even leave the house I don't trust her not to like booby trap the house if I leave for work and she's the same she's like so they end up like just um people come up to the house they don't answer they're like everything they're like are they even here anymore and they're like the car's outside like um and things like that they try to look in the windows but they put newspaper and all that on the windows so no one can look in and um it's just turned into like this nightmare um and I'm going to say we like jump forward like 20 years of like, I'm going to say it ends with like people being like, you know, they've just disappeared or whatever. And then we jump forward like 20 years and the and new homeowners, a new couple, homeowners. A new <gasps> couple has bought the house and they go in and they're like, 
uh, Jesus, you know, this is, and like they bought it, that it was a great deal because um, they're like, of oh, course it people, was. people disappeared and they're like, oh, it's a completely like dilapidated. And um, anyway, they, uh, they don't start like completely, they're like deciding whether to like completely knock the house down and just use the land and build a new house. But um, they they notice this like weird smell. They're like a really bad smell and they're like, oh no. And they search through the house and anyway, um, they see that there is a basement, um, but the they can't find the door to it. They eventually like find it like in this really strange place and go down and they find two skeletons of the husband and wife mm-hmm. and then this creepy note on the wall like a sincere warning about the entity in your home and it's all like was this just like two people that lost um, their minds they lost their minds or was there like something paranormal going on <gasps> so, yeah. could it be i don't Who know why it just made me think of do you remember that case with the man who owned the fun or the crematorium and there was like the mercury poisoning. Oh yeah! It just made me think of that there at the end. I don't know why. Could have been. No, wait, I'm obviously like incredibly wrong. Look, so. you're, you're, there are hints of truth that um that peek through here. So this is a sincere warning about the entity in your home, by oh my god, what's his name again? Jason Arnap. So okay, I was in a bit of a tiz yesterday because I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll record the podcast half ten. I don't have a book. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I remembered that last week because I've been, I just can't read at the moment. My head is just in the bin. Um, and I saw a thing on Instagram last week, one of the book accounts, um, it's Claire Kane on Instagram had a post um, about um, short reads that uh, her followers recommended and this was one of them it was literally just the first one I looked up on on the Kindle last night it was 99p's and I saw that it was a short story so I was like fantastic let's give it a go so um, yes a little short story Um, I found it's like one of the kind of Kindle originals so like it's not available um, like um, in print but it's just available on the Kindle, so I gave it a chance, I gave it a read. So this starts out, it, this book is in the form of a letter. Uh, it's a letter to the new homeowners. Oh, Becca! Um, very descriptive title here, like the title really does what it says on the tin. So this um, is a letter written from an, the anonymous um, previous homeowner, like this the person has gone to such lengths to protect their own identity that like they're using pseudonyms for their partner they're like maybe my partner is a man maybe maybe he wasn't um maybe, maybe i am Jason maybe i'm below. not <laughs> literally um and um that they like hired actors to like you know live um in the home like while it was being sold and stuff so that they this person the new homeowners would never find out their identity so it is Jason Derulo. It is. Would you believe? <laughs> um. Uh, so then th- this person goes on to say that, like you know, um, that them and their partner Tom um had moved into this house, and they've been living there for a year or so, even two years, and they just started noticing that, like you know, they would have never had sleeping issues before, and then like suddenly, like they were feeling kind of like drugged in their sleep or like just having weird sleep disturbances, but like. 
they're both just getting more and more knackered um from their job they, they they hint at like their job at, it sounds like it's a kind of medical um profession mm. um but we're not given that detail um and yeah that's just that they're both really exhausted then one night um our protagonist in their kind of like really like sleepy stupor is in the mirror in the bathroom and like looking at their reflection like just you know the way like when you're really knackered you just kind of look at yourself like yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and um their eyes turn like icy blue and they're like whoa 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 what was that about and they decide to keep all these like weird disturbances like you know this person starts kind of seeing a shadow on the bed sometimes things like that but um decides to keep it from their partner um and the, until the partner says like the weirdest thing just happened like i was looking in the mirror and then suddenly this like presence came over me and like it had like really bright blue eyes and then this the protagonist like that happened me too like i didn't want i didn't want to say it to you but it was happening to me too so eventually from this point things start getting worse and worse they start waking up they start seeing this like shadowy entity um when they're sleeping and they can't breathe and eventually our protagonist notices that this entity is like trying to steal their breath um mm. as they sleep so they become like it just is this beginning of a massive downward spiral like neither of them are getting enough sleep and um, they're like going out of their minds like they don't they don't know what's happening until one day um tom feels really ill and he decides to phone off work which he has never done in his entire career and so our protagonist goes off to work like you know they're just kind of hanging on to their like pretty elite job by the sounds mm. of it by the skin of their teeth everyone's like what is going on with them what's going on and i don't sure how much detail i can go into here but it happens pretty early in the story, so I'm going to okay. say it. Uh, they wake up, they come home from work, and Tom is dead. <gasps> um, and Tom is, like, has this look, like, fear-stricken look on his face. And apparently it was a heart murmur, like, when they did the post-mortem, that, like, you know, this was just a time bomb waiting to happen, like, you know. But our protagonist has doubts and knows that, like whatever entity is in their home was the trigger for it so um in trying to get to the bottom of this the protagonist is like let's let's like you know try, i need to find out who the previous owner was i i know there was a letter that came in the post like for them um and i can't remember the name it is a russian name um i forgot to take that down katya <laughs> katya um <laughs> so um she goes to find person they and um, they track um the russian man down to a bar in san sebastian and so i go there they find out that the father is dead and the son is like go away please leave like you know you, you can't be here and eventually there's this altercation where it's like you know the character smashes a bottle being like tell Damn. me why my life is like this they're like i'm not a violent person but like enough sleep deprivation will get you there and the son's kind of speaking in riddles um about it and refuses to give any more information and like won't bring them upstairs because like they have family up there and it's like you know i i'm not telling you anything more i've given you enough information leave me alone and never come back here so i'm not sure how much more i can say okay. but eventually Eventually, our protagonist cracks the riddle 
And I feel oh, like I we need, get answers. I feel like I need to say it because or else my review does not make sense. Uh, right. I don't think I can talk about the twist without revealing it. Okay, oh. don't then, don't. Okay, was the twist satisfying? The twist was the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen in writing. It Like, as in, it, this was well written up to, like... I'd say about like 60% of the way in, like I was like, okay, this is well paced. This is pretty well written. Like, you know, there's a few like little kind of weirdly worded sentences that just seemed a bit like they needed further editing. But I was like, mm. I'm on board. This is creepy. Um, But we, oh, sorry, before that, we find out that the entity is actually um, a little boy named Yosef. Um, and he's, um, he was born um, in the Czech Republic. And in he died in 1898 because father believed he was possessed by the devil after he killed a family dog. And that's why he's trying to steal the breath because he was choked to death. Um, And our character is trying to like, you know, communicate with um, Yosef, like eventually tries to like catch him as he's stealing um, their breath during the night, which goes horribly wrong. Um, and then buys a Ouija board to communicate and finds out that Yosef is actually a demon child. Mm, and like just lovely. as awful as we anticipated. But yeah, the twist is the most far-fetched, ridiculous <laughs> thing I've ever, I, I, I've ever encountered in a book. In my oh, life. have you like, ever read Under the Dome by Stephen King? No. Okay, no. the twist in that is also equally like, what the fuck? It ruins the book. Oh, it's the it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, oh no. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw Stephen King on that comparison. I re I really <laughs> want to. I'm gonna have to tell you once we stop recording because oh okay. my god, is it ridiculous? Um, <laughs> and so it totally ruined the book for me. Like, is I was, it aliens? I was, nope. Not okay. aliens. Uh, <laughs> it's so silly. Like it's almost borderline camp, except like it's it's just so silly. It's so I silly. feel like so many people are just gonna read this now to find out what Yeah, this like everyone is. everyone like, is on the edge of their seats. <laughs> they'll read it in about half an hour, forty minutes. Like it's This sounds like a good just, time. I, I just wanna talk about the twist, so someone please read this book. Um, oh guys jump on jump like, on the instagram the second you've read this book and get exactly in the dm like come, uh, talk to me because like this is utterly ridiculous <laughs> like and i can't explain any more other than like you know the that um the person writing this like you know gives advice for dealing with the entity at the end of the book and like you know don't make the same mistakes i've made and everything but hot damn it's the worst twist i've ever encountered oh. <laughs> oh my god what's the what's the out of 10 it would have been like a six out of ten like look mm. this isn't generally my genre that i read anyway like you know i'm not massively into horror or um or anything and i was kind of like oh god can i read this before i go to bed um but because of the oh twist god, it's now a 10 out of 10 <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to give this a rating. Like, did I laugh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, how about if I'm this was sarcastic? If this was sarcastic, it'd be like a seven. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but it is not. <laughs> well, maybe it's, it's just so deep in irony that we've lost sense. 
That's the thing. I'm. Le- <laughs> Oh, it's a two. Oh, wow. I think it's the lowest rated book we've ever had. Oh, man. <laughs> like, oh, it, it's just none of it is like far fetched. Really. Like, you know, it's creep. Like, obviously, I mean, it's about like a demon possession in a house. Um, Like, so, I mean, you're going into it from that angle, but I'm coming at from that angle telling you that this is the most far-fetched thing I've ever had. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Like, as in, like, look, I, you know, I do not dabble in the occult because I, I know that they can outsmart me. <laughs> I know that there's stuff that I can't explain and that's fine and I'm not going to try it. And, like, all those, like, teenage parties where they were like, let's make a Ouija board. It's like, no. <laughs> not Never make a Ouija board. No. Never make a Ouija board. Just let the spirits do their thing. I'm not yeah. gonna. Don't not piss gonna off involved. the spirits. So yeah, they will kill you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just <laughs> this book escapes me. Oh, I, so, I have to read this. I think we should um, just leave this book there. That I mean, I'm intrigued, but I'm also like, I'll never read this. I have. It's to thirty-eight read pages. You can <gasps> read it. Can I? Can I get my Kindle and buy it immediately? Yeah, dude, it's ninety-nine cent. <laughs> Rebecca's like, no, um, I have to read the Chloe, will you not tell me the twist? And I'll read it literally okay. today. Okay. I'm so excited. Um, like, look, like, I mean, it's a little clumsily written, bar, like, until the twist. Um, but, like, you know, it's far from, like, the worst thing I've read. And, like, you know, it's it's, it's pretty well paced. And you're kind of like, the, the doom is pretty real. But, like... Oh, I'm so excited. The, the anonymity the... is really poorly dealt with as well. Like, it's... Okay. <laughs> It's silly. <laughs> it's so silly. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, a little bit oh. about the author though. Um, because I found out a fun tidbit about this author um when I was doing my research. This author, Jason Arnup, used to be the editor of Kerrang! Oh I know! I know. Oh my um, god, I was only talking about Kerrang last week because do you remember the band Kids in Glass Houses? Yes, I do. I got their I got their single off Kerrang! magazine and like, yes. oh, so That's, good. Oh, I collected Kerrang! for years. Like, Same. Oh, man. Like, I just felt immediate kinship with this lad, like, because I was like, fair play. And, Amazing. you know, he's he, like, apparently, like, he's a good interviewer and stuff. I don't remember his stuff specifically, but like, um, did love the interviews in Kerrang! magazine. Um, he's also scripted um, audiobooks um, for the Doctor Who series. Um, and he kind of like, you know, is a bit of a talking head for like magazines and TV shows um, and things like that. And this is his second um, second ebook. Um, and then in 2016, he um, published the novel The Last Days of Jack Sparks, which has been optioned as a movie. Oh, well so, done. So we shall see. We shall That's see. That's so cool that you found that out after cuz like you were you were the yeah. demographic audience for Kerrang. Honestly, yeah. I <laughs> I was I was a child of Kerrang and I I yeah. out, I shed a solitary tear when I found out they were no longer um in print. I know. I I remember that issue where like My Chemical Romance had just come back and Jared Way had red hair. Mm-hmm. Like that that 
that cover of that Kerrang magazine yeah. is forever etched in my mind. The Black like, Parade forever. one as well is like just yeah. stuck there. And I remember like I loved when they did like their sticker editions and stuff. Oh, I know. Like, oh, that magazine so was the good the times. Walls. I I was a Kerrang kid and I was equally a Kiss slash uh, stellar kid. Yes, absolutely. Like, oh magazines bring and I love when like kiss like eventually like you know started including my chemical romance posters and things like that and... okay Becca are you guessing my no, no Chloe's, Chloe's guessing my I'm guessing okay Ghosts by Dolly Alterton are... I've never heard of it never heard <laughs> we <laughs> love that Dolly Alterton yeah we are Dolly we Alderton love her on this podcast we adore like, her the only thing is like <sighs> I don't know the story of this book, but I have listened to enough Dolly Alderton content where to she has vaguely like, to vaguely know about it. Like I know that there is a flawed but ultimately like likable love interest in this, I think. Hmm. But okay, I think this book is pretty autobiographical. It's 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 a novel, but it's pretty autobiographical, I'd say. I think this is about a journalist in London in her late 20s, early 30s, and she is navigating her love life through her column for the Telegraph. <laughs> <laughs> her name, her name is Tolly Malterton. <laughs> Ollie Dalterton. <laughs> Holly Dalterton, yes. Ho- it, so Holly. <laughs> So, um, Holly is unlucky in love and like, you know, she's been, she's a bit jaded by the London dating scene that like, you know, she, she, she has all the apps. She's like done like the beta versions of like, she like app testing for like weird fun new concepts. Mm. And she writes about that in her column. Like, you know, she like one where for like like really niche ones she'd be like oh my god i'm really into like alpaca wool scarves this is a dating app for people who are really into alpaca wool scarves <laughs> and yeah so she meets like all these kind of characters and she talks about her dates like in this column and like she kind of sees it nearly more as collecting stories for work than she does actually like finding a connection but she finally meets the one Oh, like she doesn't meet him on a dating app. Like you know, she just has like a real meet cute with him, Mm. um, like in a cafe or something like where it's like you know she drops like you know her notes for like she's just like working away on her laptop and she has all her notes scattered on her her desk and then someone walks by and the wind catches them and they all go everywhere and then this like handsome lovely man like it's like oh like she's like for fuck's holy sorry you dropped things i know he doesn't know her name because that's creepy um but (laughs) he like (laughs) he like picks up all her notes they lock eyes and he's like sorry i just got lost in your eyes or something (gasps) um he used the line but like he's handsome and she's like oh, he's kind of awkwardly charming. Oh, this is cute. Like, um, and he asks for her number and, you know, they, they start dating from there. And like, they have, they go on like five or six dates and they're having like the best time and he like packed a picnic and like, you know, like they're just having a really cute time. He like brings her to like, 
the opera like you know he's like you know wear your finest gown we're gonna do this we're gonna like pretend we're posh and like they go to now they go to like the LSO or something like the London Symphony Orchestra they go to like concert and he spent loads of money on tickets and he's just really like pouring his heart out to her he's like I adore you I think you're amazing and then suddenly he's gone <gasps> she has finally like let her guard down after collecting all her like funny stories about dating and she's really mad about this one like she's introduced him to the telegraph readership um, oh, no. and suddenly like he has disappeared he's blocked her on everything and she is heartbroken so like this is how like you know her eventually from like this heartbreak and like her talking really openly about her heartbreak um like she gets like a novel deal from um from some agency like she's wanted to write like a novel for years but like someone like has seen her stories and everything and how she's dealt with her heartbreak through her column and um has said we'd really really like you to write about like you know heartbreak and like love and dating like you know in the digital age everything i know about love by holly dalton Exactly. So, like, she, like, oh God, I didn't even, I didn't even make that connection. That was just like word vomit. That's, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know Dolly, Dolly Alderton, that's her first book. It's a yeah, memoir. and she does have a column in the Telegraph. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she does have a lot of fun dating stories. She does. But, um, yeah, she's totally heartbroken over this, but she like, you know, brings herself back and like, she remolds it. She like learns more about ghosting and like, you know, just how ultimately cruel it is and starts like, you know, just telling everyone that will listen, being like, there are better ways to deal with this than just blanking someone. Like, I wish he just told me like, sorry, not interested. And then she finds out about like, she follows a load of like therapists on Instagram and she finds out about like love bombing and things like that. She's like, oh my God, like this guy didn't love me. He was just like throwing like just love like bombs. absolutely sh- showering me in love bombs but he actually had no feelings for you i was just like this outer external thing that he was just obsessed with and now he's gone but eventually but like i'm thinking like two thirds three quarters of the way in we find out and he's back and like he had to go into witness protection because <laughs> uh, <laughs> Something really bad happened. He was a witness to like a gangland murder in a dodgy part of the city. And he's like dyed his hair and he's like, but but Holly, (laughs) I think I was falling for you. And she's like, all you had to do was explain that you were in witness protection. All you had to and do so, was break the one rule of witness protection. And he's all like, you had to do. So I'm going to say his name was Scott. And he's like, please, you need to call me Steve now. Um, I have a one-way ticket to Vietnam. Come with me or don't. It's up to you. And so she does that. But she has to give up her column in the Telegraph oh, because no one can know where she is or who she's with. Holly, no, don't do it. Holly! And she so she's humming and hawing over this she doesn't know whether she's gonna stay or whether she's gonna go she's finally had a connection with scott now steve um and she's torn up over it but then she says no steve i mean scott i mean steve i have to go my own way 
I gotta um, go my own way. And so while she ultimately understands why she was ghosted and we get a satisfying conclusion, she goes back to her life being like, She's got to gonna... say what's on her mind. Exactly. <laughs> She's like, no, I must stay with with my loyal readership. Yes. And keep who did, collecting who never my stories. And keeping an open heart. Yes. Oh, Holly Dalderton. We love, love Holly you. Dalderton. Ah, okay. Now, I have to tell you that there's like an alarming amount of crossover. <laughs> really? What? Yeah. The oh, guy no. goes into witness okay. protection. Yeah. <laughs> Does he move to Vietnam? That's what I need to know. Okay. No, no, no. He does. Okay. Anyway, I will tell you about this book. So, Ghosts by Dolly Alderton. We love you, Dolly. We do. So, like, so unbelievable. And it may have much. sounded like I was ripping it out of Dolly there, <laughs> but no, I think no. Dolly is the queen. I adore her. Can so, I also just say, because she's such good friends with Caroline O'Donoghue, that we should have she should have her own Clammy Clem name, and I've just yeah. come up with Scummy Scott. So <laughs> Clammy Clem and Scummy Scott. Scummy that's together at last. Yeah, that's together. so good. So. I think I think she ought to have the name of like the actual character in the book because unfortunately his name is not Scott nor is it Steve. <laughs> My god, I had two shots at it. <laughs> okay, so let me tell you a bit about this book. So we are in London and our main character is Nina George Dean. Her middle name is George after George Michael. (laughs) She is a cookbook writer and she's um, kind of just she's in her early 30s. She's about I think she's 32 in this book and uh, she's kind of finally wanting a new relationship. Um, She finally feels ready three years after her last relationship. She's kind of like, I can do it now. And I just want to really quickly give you a quote. Being a heterosexual woman who loved men meant being a translator for their emotions, a palliative nurse for their pride, and a hostage negotiator for their egos. Oh, damn. (laughs) So this book is great. Okay. So um, she finally feels ready to start dating and she gets on all the apps and starts chatting. And we do get a series of bad dating stories. But Holly or (laughs) Holly... (laughs) Nina. Holly must live on. <laughs> okay, Nina, our protagonist, not Holly. <laughs> Nina, um, Nina is uh, actually a cookbook writer, so she isn't writing about these experiences, but she is reporting them all back to her best friend Lola, who is a total gem. Lola is like a character out of. I haven't seen Sex in the City, but I think she's a character in Sex in the City. First of all, she's very... you need to fix that. Yeah, I do. I ha- I've watched a few episodes of the first season, but I need to I need to fix that. But um, she's also, she's kind of like the vibes of Artemis in Always Sunny. <laughs> she's just cracked and like... Oh, God. Obsessed with men and really like just a great time. Like we all need a Lola. So she reports them all back to Lola. She meets like, you know, she goes through all of the tropes of dating apps. Like she gets Aaron, the creepy primary school teacher who just wants to have sex like I'm sorry I've been there it's gross it's always, it's always primary like... school teachers have needs too <laughs> she gets um she gets a guy who says uh good evening to you milady doth thou pubeth on this sunny Saturday <laughs> she gets one of those but then she gets a boy named Max and he is 
perfect. He's handsome. He's kind. He even jokingly... Does he pick up her papers in a coffee shop? He does not. They do meet on the app, but he even jokingly alludes to their future children on their first date. He is Mm. handsome. And it's a whirlwind romance of about four weeks. And then he's gone. I was doing well. No, I was doing very well. Yeah, you were. Until until we went to witness protection. Until that fateful day of witness protection for witnessing a gangland shooting. (laughs) So um, this book, now Max leaves pretty, pretty early. And I think by the title, you can kind of guess it's going to happen by the cover. You can kind of guess, but you're really hoping it doesn't. And to be honest, what happened to me was I knew it was going to be a story about ghosting. And then when he ghosted her, I was so irrationally angry. I was like, no, I had no reason to believe this was going to happen. (laughs) So I was so upset, like so upset reading this because I really love Nina. and I'm so sad for her. But um. You know, like she's back with her best friend Lola and her best friend Lola has like always encouraged Nina to date, but she also kind of doesn't want to see her go because they're the last people in their 30s. So she's a little bit delighted, then meets her own man. And uh, that makes Nina kind of like mourning this loss even harder. She's like, this book is more about the relationships that kind of protect Nina than Mm. her relationship with Max. She's also got another friend called Catherine. And it's a friend she's known the longest. And Catherine's moved outside of London, has two kids. And this is very sex in the city. Yeah, her and Catherine like, are friends because they've known each other for so long, not because they invest time in the relationship anymore. So it's very like they're very hot and cold with each other and they expect a, a grand friendship, but neither of them really relate to each other anymore. Um, and then the center point of this book, even though it's kind of treated like a side plot, kind of like an awful lot, like it's an awful lot of side plots. It's very like real life. There's not one thing happening. There's an awful lot of things happening. Um, Nina's father actually has early onset dementia and he's slowly starting to deteriorate. And her mother is, uh, he's, she's a lot younger than her father. And she's like, Nina's kind of watching her mother and her mother's still going out all the time. She's into yoga and she's like changed her name and believes in energy and very homeopathic. And like, she's kind of searching for all these distractions. And Nina thinks it's like really selfish, but like Nina only sees her father once a week or so and doesn't really understand how like, like it's not that her mother isn't attentive. It's that her mother needs a break too, because it's really, really hard. Um, the scenes with Nina's dad are like the highlights in this book. Like he used to read all the time and now he's like imagining that he's in the books that he loves. And he like, there's a scene where he goes to his mother's old address and he's like looking for his mom and it's all really heartbreaking and really sad. And we explore that love that Nina has for her dad and the kind of wounded love between her and her mother. And that's amazing. And then this is... (laughs) This is the bit where Chloe made me laugh because about two thirds into this book, Max is back. <laughs> I was so specific, Gumi. It was weird when you said that. I was like, it's all it to be fair though, it's yeah. always two thirds or three quarters yeah. of the way into the book. There's a big, a big spin. So I'm not gonna tell you what happens. Uh I'm not gonna give you any insight. I'm just gonna let you 
figure out what happens go and read the book and enjoy it there's so much in here that like even if I told you the whole plot it just wouldn't give the book away because the beauty of this book is just in the way that Dolly writes like every single sentence just packs like a million punches and she says so much by while saying so little like there's like a scene where I don't know why this stuck in my head um and it was actually Caroline O'Donoghue left a review on Goodreads for this book and it was a a line that Caroline pointed at as well and it's um when they're at the funeral and it's like loads of the freckly faced uh relatives get up to make a speech and all this (laughs) it's like just that weird family thing where like you just don't know people like it's oh it's really really well done and uh, another really interesting relationship that Nina has in the book is with her uh, ex-boyfriend Joe now in my notes I accidentally didn't notice that that auto-corrected a hoe (laughs) my notes are her (laughs) ex-hoe um and he's got a new partner Lucy and there's this really interesting dynamic where like Lucy is like kind of unlikable through Nina's light she's very like kind of preppy and kind of phony in a way and Nina's kind of realizing she doesn't really know Joe anymore because he's moved on um three years later they're still very very good friends and there's a lot of there's a lot of grow off for each other there but like he's like he's a totally different person with his new um his new fiance and uh Lucy the fiance does make an effort with Nina and Nina's kind of realizing she's still a little bit kind of stung by it and there's just really great scenes there and Nina Nina and Lola interacting with Lucy is like <laughs> best parts of the book. And I have one more quote for um, because like this book just is way more than this ghost, like this relationship on an app. It's it's really like that's the main core of the story, but it's not the not mm. the thing you remember. Um, there's a, a quote here. Maybe friendship is being the guardian of another person's hope. Leave it with me and I look after it for a while if it feels too heavy for now. That's lovely. I know. And I didn't even mention she has a psychotic, like, like neighbor. And oh my God, the bits with him in the book made me afraid. (laughs) It's so good. Like, I ate this book up. I absolutely, I read it in like less than a day. I just ate the whole thing up. I love Dolly Alderton's writing so much. And she's so funny. Oh, she's hilarious. And she's and also so like so like, warm yeah. and so heartbreaking. And I just felt so many feelings. Like there wasn't, I didn't leave any characters behind. I was just sad for everyone. Um, except Max for most of the book. I'm not sad for Max. <laughs> Fuck Max. But um, yeah, no, this book is, it's just really, really, really fantastic. And I would give it a nine out of 10, I think. Wow. Um, and it's interesting because I read it and I kind of, I read so much in the meantime at that stage. And I read an awful lot of new releases around that time. So I actually read this like back in May. But hmm. I, I read like Animal by Lisa Tadeo pretty soon after. And I kind of reviewed all of the the newer books that I had read around that time and then forgot to come back to this one for quite a while but like when I picked it up to start writing my review I was like oh I don't want to put it down I want to reread it now (laughs) it's like I kind of didn't realize how much I loved it until I came back to it because it's just it's it's a real it's a really good book it's a real treasure and there's nothing like insane about it it's just lovely and I feel like it could actually happen um so a bit about Dolly Alton um Chloe has probably given you most of her backstory 
<laughs> because Dolly Alterton, um, aka Holly Dalterton, <laughs> wrote a dating column in the Sunday Times, and she would share all of her stories about being a single woman in her twenties. And Sunday like, Times, I, was, I thought it was the Telegraph. Yeah, no, no, I've Sunday Times, and uh, her first book was her memoir um, in 2018, "Everything I Know About Love." And um, it's it, it's like one of the best sellers. I know it, I don't have it written down, but it was up. It was shortlisted for an award that um, that year that Michelle Obama beat her in. Like she was in the same like category as Michelle Obama. Um, I think that must have been pretty cool. Mm. <laughs> um, so she's just a lovely writer. And she kind of said when this book came out that like she loved writing about her own life, but like she needed to not do that anymore. Like she doesn't have a desire to do that anymore. She's she says like she doesn't have the desire or the strength to do it. It's it's too much. But um, yeah, she's a little superstar. She is just a gorgeous person uh, inside and out. Um, I'm just I'm just a massive fan. <laughs> I just love her. And, um, and her if podcast... you haven't already, as if we have not talked about this enough, but if you've not listened to Sentimental in the City, this like eight, nine part like mini series about sex mm. in the city on the Sentimental Garbage podcast with Caroline O'Donoghue, it is a girly sleepover so like, good. with your nerdy like English student pals like <laughs> It like in audio form, it's the best thing ever. Their um, friendship is my favorite thing. Like the way gorgeous. they communicate with each other is just magic. Because I'll just never forget when I reviewed Scenes of a Graphic Nature by Caroline O'Donoghue, I listened to an episode of the Sentimental Garbage podcast with Dolly and Caroline talking about that book. And it's just one of the best conversations I've ever listened to. It's just lovely. It's so lovely. I just love them so much. Oh, yeah. Also, if anyone wants to talk um, Sex and the City, slide into the Grim Reader DMs. I'm, I'm ready to talk. Just at the start of the message, just request for Chloe. Yeah, just like this is for Chloe's eyes F-A-O, only. F-A-O, Chloe. Yeah. Um, I yeah, have watched please. Sex and the City, but... Mm. Yeah, read this yeah, book. I'm re-watching it at the moment. Read this uh. book and watch Sex and the City. And I've done a review of this. Um, me and Becca now have our own personal Grim Reader accounts as well. Woo! A review of this on that page. Yeah, which she warned us not to look at Instagram this morning. I was yeah, saying, I was going like, to Instagram straight away. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm up next. Sorry, I should uh, send in my book. Ooh, okay. I've seen this book everywhere because Becca told me not to buy it, and then I proceeded to see it at every single bookshop I walked into, and I was like, "Don't buy it. Don't even look at the blurb." So, um. The one thing I do remember about this, Becca, is there's more than one murder. I think you accidentally alluded to that in one of our conversations. Did I? I think you did because you were like, oh, the second murder or something like that. I think you did. Well, I mean, the title is how to kill your family. Like, (laughs) so, I mean, that implies it's more than one person. So how a family can be someone and their cat, Rebecca. (laughs) Who the hell is going to murder their cat? I'm sorry. Twisted individual. True. We're not we're not going to talk about don't fuck with cats on this podcast. <laughs> Still traumatized. This is How to Kill Your Family by Bella Mackey. And the cover is fab. The cover is so mm. good. It's this baby pink. It's actually the same pink of the Dolly Alterton book. It's a little bit pinker. Is it? Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, so How to Kill Your Family by Bella Mackey. It's this like really kind of 
bubblegum pink cover with how to kill your family written in black text but the why of family has been destroyed and buried by a woman with a shovel and uh jojo mose left is that how you pronounce your name jojo mose jojo mose Jojo Moyes. Yeah. I'm going to call her Jojo Moyes. It sounds great. Um, Jojo Moyes <laughs> said, funny, sharp, dark and twisted. So I think this book is about, uh, I think it's kind of in the same like kind of genre as like, the, is it the end of the, is it the end of the world or something on Netflix? What's that show again? End of the fucking world. The end of the fucking world or like sex education, that kind of like funny kind of disgruntled teenager kind of vibe. I haven't seen the end of the fucking world, but I assume um, that funny disgruntled teenager vibe that's really like at the heart has like an awful lot of like real life experience and like real life stories kind of integrated in. It deals with an awful lot of issues, but on the front, it's very funny. Um, so I think... This is about a girl named Stella who is 16 and she is just the black sheep of the family. She's totally misunderstood. The family are very well off and they're very kind of uh, like almost aristocratic. They're really snotty and like have loads of money. And with all those kind of snotty kind of families comes an awful lot of in-house drama and I'm getting like a Knives Out vibe. <laughs> oh, I love Knives Out. Yeah, it's that kind of a family. Oh. Like there's just like in Knives Out, like they interview each member of the family and there's just so much motive for who could have killed who because everyone hates each other. And I, I think that movie. Stella, our 16 year old kind of just turned 17, is at the heart of this family. And she's it's kind of like she's the only one with a conscience. And everyone around her, they're they're just so narcissistic and self-orientated. And like, I think her grandfather kind of made the family millions. And he's, um, I think he he won like a Nobel Prize for like his research in, um, in medicine. And he's got all of this money through like all of his medical journals and every like, descendant of his so like all of the moms and the dads and like the older uncles she has of the family are all just money hungry little snots <laughs> and they're all like self-made with their own like companies but they're all like startups from from this family fortune and they're not really making their own money they're kind of they're breaking even on all the money um that they invest from their from their grandfather so there's a ton of family drama here. I think there there's a plot from all of the children, um, as in like Stella's parents and her older uncles and aunts and things. They all start a plot to kill the grandfather because the grandfather has decided that he's going to donate all of his money to charity. And before... That sick man. That's... <laughs> how dare he so he's decided he's going to donate all of the money to charity and just leave the house and the assets to the family so they're still going to have more than enough to live off but he's donating everything in the bank to um all these wonderful charities like first aid and like like you know off an awful lot of important causes and like he kind of announces it and that he's going to write it into the will and like he thinks it'd be a really good idea this is what you don't do 
101 of how not to get murdered by your family. Yeah. Don't announce your plans to don't donate all your money. The will. Party. Just don't. So he announces it and um I think he's he's very kind of old and a little bit like he, he just kind of says things really innocently and he riles everyone up because like there's there might be a woman I think one of the aunts has like um a fitness company um but then he's like oh have you um sure you don't um you don't go to the gym you just have those detox teas don't you and all this and he's like calling out everyone's falseness all the time but under the guise of like a really like charming granddad and Stella just adores him and she over here's this plot to um there to for all the children to murder him and they first need to like check that the old will is secure and that there's no write-ups there's nothing changed in that they need to make sure that if he's going to change the will that they get there first that they delay him whatever and they're all trying to like elaborately kill this very successful man and Stella is having none of it so I think she overhears them all talking like the dining room about all the different ways they could kill him and she keeps note of everything so like maybe like uncle like uncle William decides that like oh it would be a great idea to poison him and then within the week William has been poisoned (laughs) and then um like the another one of the aunts like Aunt Donna, who like has the the fitness company decides like, oh, it would be a really like great way if we could um if we could pretend that he was hit by a bus and all of a sudden she's hit by a truck <laughs> like within the same week. And they all start dropping off like flies and they all start getting really paranoid. And Stella's mom, who is one of like, I think her mom's name is like Veronica, and she's one of the the older daughters. And she's very, very strict and just very cautious and paranoid she's like Stella like we need to be very very careful because there is someone out to get us and she she, like starts thinking that it's like the aid workers of the charities (laughs) trying to get the money for charity and she's like those evil Samaritans (laughs) are going to kill us all so um Stella Stella like her mom is going to be the hardest person for her to combat and I think she eventually like her granddad knows exactly what she's doing and eventually he calls and he's like you are going to get yourself in a whole lot of trouble for a whole lot of nothing and Stella is like no 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 like this like I they can't do that to you and then he's like Stella I'm dying anyway and um he's like uh you know like you just need to help me get this will written up you need to help me start dividing the assets now and he tries to get her off the trail of murdering the rest of her family and she's too far gone i'm yeah, too she's, far gone she's got a she's got a taste for it now like you know she's having a lot of fun so i think he tries to get her away from that and tries to get her you know he tries to set the rest of her life up so that yeah, she doesn't he tries ruin to get her it. away from the path of crime that she's just like <laughs> skipping down like. yeah but then all of a sudden i think two-thirds <laughs> into the novel Veronica brings in a private detective played by Daniel Craig. (laughs) 
puts on and a weird accent. <laughs> he puts on the weirdest southern accent I've ever heard. And he starts uh, investigating the deaths. And he basically, in his first 10 minutes in the house with the limited family that's left, the granddad and Stella, he's like, one of you did this. So the end of this book becomes a rat race of Stella wanting to kill the detective and the remaining family members and her granddad trying his best to help Stella cover this up and pin it on Veronica, the the very paranoid, shrewd woman who hates the hates the good Samaritans. <laughs> I think that's what this book is about. I, I wish that that's I mean, I think that was a good story. Are, like right about with the family, but like. That's very oh, fun. girl, I want yeah. that to be a book. I want oh, that to be a Oh, I'm really proud of I that just, one. It sounds gas. It that kinda, actually sounds hilarious. Yeah. When I watched Knives Out, I was actually kind of disappointed by it because I wanted a whodunit for the whole thing, but you find out early what actually happened. And like, I didn't like the twists oh, then. I, I loved the I've movie. I've not seen it. Not seen it. Yeah. I loved the movie. It was like the first one myself and Matteo went to see in the cinema and... I think that's why it also has a special place in my heart. But I do love the movie. I've watched it so many times. And the yeah, Chloe, do me. watch it. It's 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 good. really good. It's just I heard the last twist was like incredible, and I kind of saw a comment. Nikki, Nikki, you're giving away too much. Stop it. You and spoilers, bad. <laughs> um, but anyway, How to Kill Your Family by Bella Mackey is a book that I have been looking forward to for a really long time. I think. Um, it was one that's been like highly publicized um, mm-hmm. with its release. Um, so I saw this, oh, I'd say back around the new year that this was coming out and it wasn't coming out till July. And I was like, oh, my oh, God, so ah. annoying. So um, I bought it. This was uh, one of two books that I bought for myself for my birthday. One was The Reading List, which I covered last episode and this book, because I was like, I went to O'Mahony's in search of this book. I was like, this is what I want to get myself as like a little treat for myself. And I bought the only copy they had. And I was like, I don't feel guilty. Oh my God, go on. I deserve this. So um, you are right that it does have a very wealthy family, but our, I'm not going to say protagonist. She's like an anti-hero. Is not um, uh, acknowledged member of that family. And that's why we have our plot for revenge. So um, we open this book and it's one of those books. I'm not giving anything because like this is how it starts. We meet Grace, um, who's our anti-hero mm-hmm. um, and she's in prison. And you're like, what? <laughs> you're like, damn it, you got caught. And um, she's in prison, but she's in prison for a murder she didn't commit. Ooh. Yeah. And she's like, but all the other ones I've done, like no one knows about those. You know, and you're like, ah, oh, yes, a true villain. But um, so this is her documenting her story of revenge. So like it, it's written as kind of um, they're not diaries because it's like not dear diary, but it is written as like her own mm-hmm. personal account of um, what's happened. So we quickly learn that um, her father, oh, what's his name? Stephen Arnish or something like that. Uh, I think it, it's definitely Stephen. I can't remember the surname. Are you sure it's not Scott? It's not okay just right. <laughs> that's why it's like scummy scott i was like oh damn it doesn't work for steven later on <laughs> but um he's a wealthy businessman 
Um, and I mean, like, this is, it reminded me of kind of like Topshop, like Empire kind of thing. Like he, he is, he owns his own like airline, all this kind of stuff. Like they are Uplands. billionaires. <laughs> He's billionaires. And um, he abandoned his, uh, Grace's mother when he found out he'd gotten her pregnant. And uh, we learned that he was married, didn't tell Grace's mother that. And um, it's like Arthur Fleck. It's the Joker origin story, bitch. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's horrific that this. Um, uh, and she's told that um, by her mother growing up that, oh, he does love you. It's just really difficult. And the mother's trying to hide the fact that he does not. Care. He doesn't care at all. Um, mm. Even though the mother knows that, and I think she's also slightly, she is still in love with him. And you're like, he is an asshole. He is the worst. No, move on, ignore him, all this kind of stuff. So, um, what we, um, I'm not giving much away because like this all happens very quickly on in the book. Um, we find out that Grace, I think it was around when she was 13, her mother dies. And I mean, their living conditions, um, it was kind of, they were living in a one bedroom studio. Um, the mother started sleeping on the couch. As soon as she got older, the mother was working several jobs to try and keep a roof mm-hmm. over their head. Like they were struggling, like food was just, who knows what they were eating kind of thing. And um, the main thing was that she was so loved by her mother. And she kind mm-hmm. of writes about it, that it was, you know, she gave the love of two parents. Um, but we, you know, and Grace didn't really see how much her mother was struggling. So when her mother gets sick, she kind of ignores it until it's too late and she passes away very quickly from cancer. So this, uh, after her mother's death, she soon finds letters to her father from the mother, uh, trying to get him to acknowledge Grace and to take her in after she dies. And he is just like, you can't even prove it's mine and all that. Like, utter scum utter scum of the earth and immediately grace is like i have a name now and i'm going to get it all like the the plan to kill them all was at like at 13 like she starts hatching it and um she's kind of taken in by pretty much strangers and things like that. So, I mean, her growing up, she she isn't taken by people who are going to love her unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, like the family she does end up with, um, it's a friend from school and thankfully she has him, but like, it's, it's kind of like, oh, we're good people. We're taking her in kind of thing. Mm-hmm. She never feels part of the family. and Like savior complex. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of really unhappy things that you're like oh my god you know you can't feel anything but complete sorrow for grace but then grace we meet her again and she's like i think she's 26 27 and i'm gonna say i i do enjoy an unlikable character at times but with grace i don't think she was written properly for you to like her like and there's some people who love her in reviews and i was like she's such a snob she's superior she's okay so she's not intended to be like an unlikable character I think she is but I think there's ways that she's written that it's like there's contradictory points in her character that I'm like this doesn't make sense along the road Mm -hmm. um and I'm like if 
it was kind of almost I don't know it just it causes a bit of kind of vagueness in her along the way and I mean if she was written as a completely unlikable and um I'll get into uh, stuff like that I think I would have enjoyed it a bit more with Grace but like oh my god she's so condescending and like just think she's superior to everybody that it's it's really like I don't like that in a person at all so that character yeah. trait is not something I would have enjoyed in any character no matter they do how that well, well. they do she that well it. in um Eleanor Oliphant mm. she's very snobby and like very like I don't understand these women um, but it's kind of done in an innocent way no this is she knows that she's like she thinks she's better than everybody and she's so mean about people in her mind like it's mm you're there like oh my god like this is um but I think what I wanted more from her like she is witty and things I just wanted more humor in this book I was told it was going to be funny and like razor sharp humor and I was like I'm not getting that you know and I was really disappointed with that and maybe I just had really high hopes for this book but um after she learns the truth about her father, uh, she hatches the plan to start killing off members of the family one by one. So she has a list of six people, uh, her grandparents, her uncle, her cousin. Who else? Um, is it six or seven? Maybe it's seven. Um, her stepmother, uh, mm-hmm. Stephen's wife, Stephen's daughter, Oh, her sister and her father. Is that seven? I can't remember. Wasn't keeping track. But she has this list and we are taken through each of the murders. And um, yeah, I mean, some of them, they're very inventive. I will give it that. They are creative murders. I mean, some of them along the way, the murder actually is like totally flippant. And I'm like, oh, okay, they're dead. And I'm just like, I wanted more, like a little bit more juice, like a little bit more flavor to it. Um, where is the flavor? Where is the flavor? Where is the spice? Um, and like, there are some wild situations. Like, some of them, like, you're there, like, what is this family into? Like, obviously, there's like sex dungeon kind of thing. There's like <laughs> saving, saving frogs that don't need any help. All this kind of shite. You know, there's the influencer person. All this. So, I mean, the characters, like, none of them are likable. Like, they are not good people. And you're like. I don't agree with murder, but like, if you had to kill someone, like, <laughs> make it be this person. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just, I think with it, I just wanted some really laugh out loud situations that would have alleviated the mood. Like a lot of it is just very kind of focused on the murders. I'm not going to say dark, but it's just focused. Like it's just all mm-hmm. the attentions on that, and you're like, I need moments of like something funny going on do you know and any situations that there were there for humor I was like oh. they just felt too constructed for me to think mm-hmm. that they were funny um so I mean like it's it's not that it's badly written it is really well written um apart from the ending and I haven't oh. covered a book that has an anticlimactic ending in a really long time but like oh it's the so worst this oh but Chloe yours sounds kind of gas <laughs> yours is like what yours the hell's is going the on there I want to read it <laughs> my yes I have to it's say absurd. like I think from reviews like there's people I I'm 
one of the few I think at the moment that hasn't loved the book like some people like a lot of it is five star ratings four star ratings on goodreads and all that and people absolutely loving grace and things like that their standout book of the year but that ending oh my god it's supposed to be a twist but I was like this is as flat as a pancake oh, I was like damn. oh it's I I was just like the book could have ended really well I think um if Becca I, I, wrote it, it would have had a great ending. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I believe it. I, I, I do not believe that. I do. But it's, it's just one. And I've other reviews that have like a lot of the, the only negatives really are kind of maybe lack of humor, grace and the ending. And I'm like, I would completely agree with that because like the writing is really great. There are some really witty bits in it. Like those are pretty fundamental <laughs> bits of the book. It's really creative and I feel really bad. And it's a great premise, but it, it's Arthur Fleck from the Joker. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so it's, I don't know. I mean, with Grace, I would love if she'd been a bit more like Villanelle from Killing Eve, like that kind of humor. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I don't want like, to get out think, about the book. But... Yeah, you kind of, I love when the, the villains, like a, a perfect villain is, do you know, Ian and Thursday Murder Club? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, uh, no, no, no. He's he's. Oh, sorry, first, sorry. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He's in the first book. Just oh god, oh, he's perfect he's per- villain. Perfect. <laughs> like yeah. all the bit where he's like, he has to pay like an extra few cents because it's fair trade, and he's like rolling I his eyes. Yeah. And then like him parking in the disabled parking spot. Like oh, I love when they're like comically evil. Yeah, he's yeah. just the worst. It's like, <laughs> so on. I don't want my villains to have any redeeming features. No, none. <laughs> Like oh, so, um, I don't know. I just with Grace, I just think um, there's just contradictory parts with her that I was like, and I and I mean like the thing is though I'm kind of like maybe she was going for a villainelle type that like she is an antihero, but you absolutely love her. Some people do love her, like absolutely love Grace, but I was just and Becca's nah. questioning their taste. What's what's the number out of ten? I'd have to probably say I'd probably put it out of five. It's a midway point, mm. five or six, like, but it's probably a five. And I feel mm. really bad giving it that. But I was like, I thought I maybe and I'm being honest, maybe it was that I had really high expectations for yeah. this book. But I just went into it expecting like when it says it's going to be hilarious. And like even I'm going to read out what the blurb says, like the blurb um, is like a post-it note. And then like just a little few details. So it says, um, it's bullet points. One, kill my family. Two, make a claim on their fortune. Three, get away with the above. Four, adopt a dog. And it's like, meet Grace Bernard, daughter, sister, colleague, friend, serial killer. Grace has lost everything and now she wants revenge. Like that blurb is so enticing. Yeah. Like yeah. when she said adopt a dog, I was like, I'm going to love her. I'm oh. going to love her. She wants to adopt a dog. And then you are not, you are not an ideal dog parent. <laughs> no, nah, I was like, no. But, um, yeah, so about Bella Mackey, which this author bios, lads, make it it's easier so to hard find. to find. They I are. had to go onto their agent page to get this. Oh my so, God. Uh, Bella Mackey was a journalist for 12 years, working at The Guardian as a commissioning editor and then at Vice News as deputy editor. 
I was thinking I knew her name. Uh, she has written for Vogue, The Daily Mail, Vice, The Guardian, Stylist and GQ. Her first book, Jog On, which is supposed to be brilliant, was a Sunday Times bestseller. Her first novel, How to Kill Your Family, comes out in June. But I thought that was July. So oops. I think Jog On is a bit more um, autobiographical. Autobiographical. There we go. But um, yeah, I would love to hear from people who really enjoyed this. Um, State or, your case. You know, State your case, but uh, yeah. I mean, there are some great points in it, but those kind of three main things come to mind. And it's disappointing. I, I actually had my eye on that book too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'll oh, give it a miss. I was I was just so looking forward to it. And I mean the cover is just beautiful. Like the cover is so cover. clever. But yeah. Oh, it's very funny. Yeah, I can't so. wait to read Chloe's book. I'm gonna read that today. <laughs> do, you'll read it in half an hour, like just do it I'm now. I'm so excited. I um, I, I, need I can't to... wait for our group chat to go absolutely insane from Nikki <laughs> messaging. Nikki, about like, it. please like do it at your earliest convenience. <laughs> Uh-huh. I have to I'm like I stopped before we were recording I was drinking coffee eating my avocado toast and reading a book and I stopped midpoint before a chapter mm. so I need to go and end that chapter before yes. I begin another book <laughs> but um I think we're going to end it there because editing Beck is like okay it's like uh, over an hour now like <laughs> But um, chop, 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 chop. Uh, we hope you enjoyed and um, go follow us on. There's a lot more social media that now there is uh, Goodreads, <laughs> Storygraph, Instagram for the podcast, Instagram for Nikki, Instagram for me, hopefully an Instagram for Chloe soon. Ours are, um, so it's Nikki underscore Grim Reader, Becca underscore Grim Reader, and the Grim Reader podcast is the easiest one to find. And you can find us linked in that, in the link yeah. tree. Yeah. yeah, we're all good. So it, everything is linked in our Instagram uh, so far, apart from maybe our personal accounts, which I will update. And uh, Twitter, Goodreads. Is there anything else? Good. I said Goodreads. Storygraph. This is MySpace. <laughs> Bebo. Um, so do interact with us. We love hearing from people. And if there's any books you want us to cover, let us know if you're looking for recommendations. Again, let us know. We have read many, many books this year. And um, yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah. It's really hard to remember Wrapped everything up. now at the end. So um, but yeah. until next time. Bye. We love Adios. you. Adios, see ya. <laughs>